Good morning. The scripture lesson for today is James chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. My brothers and sisters, do you, with acts of favoritism, really believe in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ? For if a person with gold rings and in fine clothes comes into your assembly, and if a poor person in dirty clothes also comes in, And if you take notice of the one wearing the fine clothes and say, have a seat here, please. While the one is poor, you say, stand there or sit at my feet. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen the poor in the world to be rich in faith and to be heirs of the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him? The word of God for the people of God. Well, it's been a good week here at Court Street Church, all things considered. We, we've been out in the community. We've been making a difference in our neighborhood. We've been welcoming people and throwing parties. It's been a really, a really good week here at Court Street Church, which, which makes what I'm about to do that much more regrettable. Here, here I'm going to take all those good feelings that we walked in with this morning, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spoil them by telling a bad preacher joke. For, for the joke that I'm about to inflict upon you, I already beg, I beg your forgiveness. The story goes like this. Preacher Sue was appointed as the pastor of a little country Methodist church. Next to the church, there was a house. In the house, there lived a family, mom and dad and some kids. When Preacher Sue was going in and out of the church, she would often see mom and dad out sitting on the front porch. She would see the kids out playing in the yard. Whenever she saw the the parents out on the front porch, Preacher Sue would stop by and say hello and have a little conversation. She always ended her conversation by inviting the, the couple to come on over to church on Sunday. Just walk on over next door. Bring your, your kids with you. And the, the father, he always said, well, I, I think that would be nice. Maybe we'll do that. Maybe you'll see us this Sunday. But she never did. The family never did make their way over next door. For months, she invited that family to come. For months, the father kept on saying, I think we'd like that. Maybe, maybe we'll come. But they never, never did make their way over. And finally, one day, as Preacher Sue was going into the church, walking into her office, she saw the couple out on their porch, and she decided that she was just going to ask the question. And so she walked up to the porch. She said hello, and then she said, you know, there's, there's something I'd like to ask you. She said, for months now, I've been inviting you to come on over to worship. I've been inviting you to walk on next door on a Sunday morning. For months, you've been telling me that you would like to do that, but you never do. She says, what is it that has kept you from coming on over to the church? What is it that keeps you from walking on next door on Sunday morning? Well, the the husband, he looked at the wife, and she sort of shrugged. And then the, the husband, he looked at the preacher, and he said, well, preacher, he said, it's like this. He said, we've got a lot of faith. We've got a lot of love, but we don't have a lot of money. He said, we don't have a lot of money for, for nice clothes. All of our clothes have got holes at the knees and patches at the elbows. And we're, we're afraid that if we were to walk on over there and sit in the middle of all those church folk in their church clothes, that we would stick out, stick out like a sore thumb. We're afraid that we would feel out of place. We're afraid that people would, would look down on us because of, our, because of our clothes. And that's why we haven't come on over. And Preacher Sue, she nodded. She thought about that for a minute, and then she asked the couple another question. She said, 
do you think if I could manage to find you all some, some nice going to church clothes, do you think that maybe that would get you over there on a Sunday morning, that that would be enough to, to get you on next door on a Sunday morning? And, and the, the husband looked at the wife, and she sort of shrugged. And so he looked at the preacher. He said, well, preacher, we don't usually accept charity. But he said, we, we sure would like to get our kids some religion. And so I guess on, on this one occasion, we could make an exception. Okay, said preacher Sue, I'll, I'll see what I can do. Of course, preacher Sue knew exactly what she was going to do. She, she went straight to the Methodist women. And the Methodist women did exactly what the Methodist women always do. They got to work. They raided closets. They went out shopping. And two days later, preacher Sue walked back to that house with a great big armload of clothes, a new set of Sunday clothes for every member of the family. And the family, they, they received that gift with tears in their eyes. And maybe even preacher Sue had a few tears of her own. The next Sunday morning, preacher Sue got up in the pulpit and she looked out and she scanned the pews looking for that, that family from next door. But she didn't see them. There was no sign of the father, no sign of the mother, no sign of, of any of the kids. Worship came and worship went, and she never saw a bit of that family. She was heartbroken and disappointed. She felt let down. A couple days later, she was passing by the house, and she saw the couple out on their porch again. And so she walked on up, and she said, hello. And then she said, I've got I've to ask you a question. She said, I, I thought for sure I was going to see you in worship on Sunday. I thought for sure that you were going to be there, but, but you didn't show up. She said, what happened? Is everything okay? Was there some sort of problem with the clothes? And, and the husband, the father, he looked at her, and he said, oh, no, preacher. He said, no, the clothes, the clothes were just fine. He said, as a matter of fact, we got up. On Sunday morning, we all put on our, our nice new clothes, and then we looked at each other, and we couldn't believe how nice we all looked. We looked at each other, and we said, you know, since we look so good this morning, maybe we ought to just go on over to the Episcopal Church. <laughs> and so that's what we did. It was a long way to go, wasn't it? I, I told Father Dan, our friend over at the Episcopal Church, I told him that joke earlier this week. He didn't think it was funny either. <laughs> It's a long way to go. It's a dumb joke. It's a silly story. But, of course, tucked away in that, in that dumb preacher joke, there is a, there's a kernel of truth, isn't there? There's a nugget of, of hard truth. The hard truth is that when we invite our friends to church, when we invite people from out in the community to come and, and worship at the church with us on Sunday morning, one of their deepest fears, one of their biggest anxieties is that they will show up for worship wearing the wrong kind of clothes. People, when we invite them to worship, they're afraid that they will show up and they will stand out, that they'll feel out of place, that people will look down on them because of, of the clothes that they're wearing. There are people, in my years of ministry, I have learned there are people like the family in that joke. There are people in our community who don't come to worship because they're afraid that they would show up wearing the wrong kind of clothes. And the sad thing is that's not, not an entirely unreasonable fear. And the sad thing is that it happens on Sundays in churches. Sometimes Christians, followers of Jesus, do judge people, do look down on people, do make people feel out of place because of the clothes that they're wearing. I've seen it happen. A few years ago at another church that I was serving on a Sunday morning, a friend of mine was passing through town, and he thought he would stop by and see me. He figured he would stop by and, and worship, and then we get to spend some time together. After worship, he came into the church, and he was wearing blue jeans. He didn't think anything of it. He, he always wore blue jeans. And he sat down in a pew, and at the beginning of worship, I invited everybody to greet one another, and a, a woman walked over to him with her hand out and a big smile on her face, and he thought to himself, this is a really friendly and, and welcoming church. 
church. And then as the woman was shaking his hand, she looked down at his blue jeans and she raised an eyebrow and she said, so is this your first time in a church? There was another church that I served where there was a standing meeting in the parking lot every Sunday after worship. There was a group of people who would get together and do a complete breakdown, a total review of all of the clothes that people were wearing to worship that Sunday morning. Did you see how short her skirt was? Did you notice that the acolyte was wearing flip-flops? Did you notice the man who wore his ball cap all the way through worship? It happens. Sometimes followers of Jesus do look down on people, do make people feel out of place because because of the clothes that they wear. And this is not a new thing. This has been part of the Christian family, something that happens on Sunday morning since the very earliest days of the Christian faith. In this morning's scripture reading, we have part of a a letter that was written by this man named James. Many, many Christians believe that the James who wrote this letter is the same James who the Bible calls James the brother of Jesus. And we don't know exactly what that means. We don't know how James was related to Jesus. Was he Jesus' older brother, his younger brother, his stepbrother, his half-brother? Nobody nobody knows the answer to that question. All we know about James, all we can say for sure, is that he would have shared the same hard-scrabble sort of childhood that Jesus had. You know, their father, we know their father Joseph was a sort of a handyman. He was a jack-of-all-trades, a builder, and he would have taken odd jobs and whatever work came his way just to put food on the table. Jesus and James and Joseph and the rest of their family, they never had any extra money for nice clothes, and so Jesus and James would have grown up with holes at the knees and, and patches at the elbows, and we know that people in their hometown, people in the village of Nazareth looked down on Joseph and all of his shabbily dressed children. We know that when Jesus got older, when he started his ministry, the first time he preached a sermon in the synagogue in Nazareth in his hometown, Jesus got up and he started to preach. And then people out in the pews turned to each other and they said, is this the same Jesus who is the son of Joseph and and the brother of James? Whoever thought that one of Joseph's kids would ever, ever amount to anything? Jesus and James knew what it was like to be looked down on. They knew what it was like to feel, to feel out of place, to feel judged by the other people in the pews. Jesus and James, they never forgot that feeling. Maybe that's why James reacted so strongly when he saw that same sort of judgment, that same sort of condemnation and evaluation happening among the followers of Jesus. After the resurrection of Jesus, James became one of the most important leaders in the church. James became the the leader of all of the Christians, all of the believers in the city of Jerusalem. And that was not an easy job. Jerusalem was a a poor city, and most of the believers in Jerusalem, they were poor themselves, and so the leaders of of the church in Jerusalem spent most of their time trying to scrape together enough money to make sure that the widows and the orphans had a little bit of bread, a little bit of food on their tables. There was never enough money to do all of the ministry that they needed to do, and so maybe it was only natural that on those few occasions when a a well-dressed person, a wealthy-looking person, somehow wandered through the doors of a church on Sunday morning, maybe it was only natural that the leaders in the church got a little bit over-eager, a little bit over-excited. Maybe the greeter smiled a little bit wider when that well-dressed person walked through the door. Maybe the usher was just that little bit more welcoming. Come on down here and have a seat in the place of honor. You get a better view down here in the front row. 
the acoustics are best just right here in the sanctuary. Maybe the preacher made more eye contact with that well-dressed person during worship. Maybe the pastor spent a little bit more time talking to that person in the, in the parlor after worship. It was only human. It was only natural that people would gravitate towards those well-dressed people to make sure that they felt honored, to make sure that, that they felt welcome. But when James saw this happening in his churches, it turned his stomach. It broke his heart. It made him angry. It made James so angry that he decided to write a letter. James wrote a letter to all of the believers in the city of Jerusalem. And this is what James says in his letter. He says, brothers and sisters, do you, with your acts of favoritism, really believe in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ? If Jesus were to walk into your church this Sunday, not as a king dressed in fine robes, but as I remember Jesus, if Jesus were to walk into your church as a child with knees, with holes and, and patches at the elbows, if Jesus were to walk into your church as the man I remember, the man who had no home, no place to lay his head, would you welcome him and receive him and praise him and give him honor or would you ignore him? as you were lavishing all of your attention on some person in fine clothes with gold rings on their fingers. Have you already forgotten, James says, what Jesus taught us about God? Have you already forgotten what Jesus said about God? Have you already forgotten that Jesus told us about a God who says to the people who are looked down upon in this world, the people who are despised by this world, the people who are judged and condemned by this world, God reaches out to those people and says, come and sit at my table. Come and take the place of honor at my table. One of the things that I love about being a part of Court Street Church is the way that I get to watch you over and over again bend over backwards to make sure that people feel welcomed and honored and loved in your presence. I got to see you do it again this week. As we were out at the park this week, as we were throwing a party for our neighbors, we didn't just meet children and families. We also met some of our neighbors who live in the streets of downtown Flint. Every once in a while, one of our, our neighbors who lives in the streets would walk into the park and sort of look around with a, a look of befuddlement, trying to figure out what on earth is going on in the, in the park today. And every time that happened, I watched to see how our Court Street volunteers, how our Court Street disciples, our servants, would, would respond to the presence of of someone who had clearly walked in off, off the streets. And over and over again, church, you responded to those people's presence in a way that made me proud to be your pastor. Over and over again, I watched court streeters walk up to people who walked into the park and treat them as if they were the guest of honor. Treat them as if we had thrown this entire party just for their benefit. Over and over, I watched court streeters walk up to people and say, we're having a party. Come on in. You're invited to. Come on over here. Here is, is where the food is. Go through the line a second time if you're hungry. And the people who were working the food, our food crew this week, you were phenomenal. You loaded up a plate and then you loaded up a second plate and then you put food in to-go boxes for, for later on. You made sure that everyone who came to everyone who came to the party this week left feeling honored, left feeling welcomed, left feeling loved. Church, I love to watch you do that. My prayer is that you would continue. You would continue to honor and welcome people in that way. When you honor people in that way, you are honoring 
Jesus. You are honoring his brother James. You are honoring his father Joseph. When you honor people in that way, when you welcome people in that way, you become a reflection of God's all-inclusive love. My prayer is that you would continue to do that here in this place, out in the park, everywhere you go, that people would feel welcome and honored in your presence so they would know that when we say God loves all people, we mean God loves all people regardless of holes at the knees, regardless of patches at the elbows, regardless of whether you've had a shower today. God loves all people regardless of economic status. When we say God loves all, we really do mean God, God loves all. Let's pray. God, we pray. God, we pray that you would give us the eyes and the heart of Jesus. We pray that you would help us to see people as Jesus sees them, to honor people as Jesus honored them, to welcome and receive people as Jesus welcomed them and received them. God, we pray that whenever we throw a party here at the church, the doors of the church would be wide open and all of our neighbors would be welcome. God, we pray that no one would ever feel small or unwanted in this place or in our presence. God, we pray. God, we pray that you would build us and make us a reflection of your love in this place. In the name of the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.